are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? But how will he proclaim unless people are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, today marks the beginning of a new ministry right here in the town hall at Rosemary Beach. Today we plant a new church, a new fellowship of Christians. And why? Why plant a new church? Why uproot a family and move? Why take this risk? Because of what St. Paul said this morning in his letter to the Romans. Look at that with me. If you've got your Bibles, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Just look in your, in your service lately. That's what you've got. Look at what it says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, listen to the way a half dozen other translations put it. This will sound really similar. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he will be saved. For everyone, whoever <coughs> shall call on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. And everyone, without exception, who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Got the idea? <laughs> now, if you are a Christian, then you know the joy of a life lived with God. You know that peace that passes all understanding. You know that love that echoes deep within your soul. That feeling of coming home to a good home where you are loved unconditionally. If you're a Christian, then that's what you know. And what Paul is saying here is that everything that you know and everything you have felt as a Christian, that peace, that hope, that deep and abiding joy, all of that is available to everyone. Everyone. There are no prerequisites, no pre-qualifications. All anyone has to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Now, see, for many people, when, when Paul was writing this letter, most people at the time believed that God was available only to a select few. Only if you had come from the right family. Only if you had the right background. In fact, you had to be Jewish. That's what was required. Now, everybody at the time was welcome to worship God. But for many, there would always be a dividing wall between the Jews and the Greeks, between the Jews and everyone else, between, between the Jews and the Gentiles. But what Paul is saying here is that there is no longer that dividing wall. No longer an in-group and an out-group when it comes to God. All have access to God through Jesus. And so Paul says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, without exception, can know the love and joy of fellowship with God. I wonder if you know any people in your life who could use that kind of fellowship with God. That kind of hope and deep abiding joy. I wonder if you know anybody that could use some of that deep peace and that deep joy. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your sister or your brother. Maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's that really good friend of yours who always seems to be this close to having his life just fall apart. 
Or maybe it's that new family that just moved in down the street with all those kids. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Or maybe it's just you. Maybe that's who it is. Maybe it's you today. Maybe as you sit here, you're thinking, I don't know that joy or that peace that you're talking about. Or maybe you used to know, but there's other stuff that's going on in your life. You haven't experienced it in a long, long time. Paul is not saying that everyone who calls the name of the Lord is going to have an amazing life. That's not what he said. But what he is saying is that once you cry out to Jesus, everything in your life changes. It, 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 it takes on a different character. The burdens and the stresses of your life here in this world just won't seem as important as they used to. They won't be so all-consuming. Because all of it, the stuff in this world isn't all that there is. And it certainly isn't the most important stuff that there is. All that stuff that causes us so much anxiety in this life, like business and school and our children's grades and, and closing that next deal, all of that stuff is so temporary that stuff just won't last. But what does last is, is those eternal things of God, like love, like the love that you have for your family or for your child, no matter what brings that child is. It's like your love for other people, like friends and family, those people who mean so much to you that, that more than all that other stuff and the truth is, when we call on the name of the Lord, when we turn our hearts over to Him and begin to worship Him and glorify Him and enjoy His presence, then, then we are, at that moment, beginning to partake of that salvation that Paul is talking about. This life is just the beginning of an eternal life with God. It's just the prelude. It's just the introduction to that greater life of eternity that each of us were made for. And you know that it's true. Because when you find yourself thinking that this world might be all that there is, when you start thinking that all this lesser stuff of life is what life is all about, you start to lose heart. And you let the important things begin to slip away. Like being with the people that you love the most. You let that stuff slip away. Like spending time with your kids or your spouse or your best friends. You start to let that stuff slip away. And you start thinking that this world is all that there is. You lose everything, trying to find and in pursuit of nothing. You lose what lasts in pursuit of what is passing away. So what Paul is saying is that everything important is at stake. Eternity with God and the people that you love is at stake. And that life, that eternal life, kind of life, that life of joy and hope, you can start here and you can start now. You don't have to wait until you die. You can start living that kind of life right here and now. And if you already have that kind of life with God, then great. If you already know that being a divine joy, then that is wonderful. But what about everyone else, Paul asks? How will they know unless they have heard? That's why we're starting this church. Because life with God is too good to let others miss out on it. Life with God is so much better, so much richer, so much fuller than any other kind of life. And so today we start this new fellowship of Christians, apostles by the sea, 
so that we can help each other grow in our own knowledge and love of God, so we can help each other live more fully in a joy-filled life, but even more than that, so that we can start to, so we can restart this fellowship so that we can help others, the people all out there, come to know that same love and joy that we have found in Christ. Alright, look again at what St. Paul says. He says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how can they proclaim him unless they are saved? How can Jesus be proclaimed unless people are sent? Okay. That word right there at the end of that sentence, that word sent, you know what that word is? It's the word apostle. It means to be sent. It means sent ones. And these sent ones, these apostles, were sent to proclaim news to people who needed to hear it. And in our case, the news that we have to proclaim is the best possible news anyone can hear. That's why we're calling this church, this fellowship of Christians, that's why we're calling this church apostles by the sea. Because we are the ones being sent with good news. We are the ones being gathered together in the name of God to offer Him our worship, to be nourished by His Word and by His sacraments, and then to be sent out into the world to bring His presence with us and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. See, Paul right here is talking about us. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about those that God has called to Himself and then sent out in His name that people might be drawn to the fellowship with Him. That's what he's talking about. Paul says that everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they know unless people are sent? How will they know unless there are apostles sent out to tell them? And then Paul says this. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And isn't that the truth? I mean, when you've been waiting for news about someone's safe arrival, or you've been waiting on, on, the, on news that the prognosis is good, or that the baby has arrived and it's healthy and mama and baby are doing fine. You know what? That person that brings that news is beautiful to you. Whether you like them or not, they are beautiful in that moment. <laughs> How beautiful is the one who brings good news? Well, that's who you are meant to be as followers of Jesus. You are apostles. Send and bring good news to everyone and in every situation at all times and everywhere. You are a Christian, then that is who you are. You are an apostle, and you have the best news possible to share. But as a priest, I've had lots of conversations with people who believed all that stuff. They knew it. They knew that that's what Christians were meant to be. They believed that Christians were meant to be apostles, sent out into this world to share the good news. That's what they believed. But they didn't believe that they were the kind of person. God used like that. That's what they, they didn't believe. They didn't believe that God could use someone like them, or that they didn't even want to. They believed that their sin, their failures, made them the sort of person that God would never want to use like that. And that brings us to the reading from our gospel today. 
which has to be one of the most beautiful and poignant stories of restoration and grace in the whole of the New Testament. It's the story of Jesus restoring Peter after Peter had sinned terribly against him. And you know the back story. I'm just going to tell you it. You know what happened. Jesus tells the disciples before his crucifixion that they are all going to abandon him in his time of most desperate need. And Peter, as he often does, as he always does, stands up boldly and says, No, Lord, not me. I'm going to be right with you the whole time. And he says he's never going to leave Jesus aside. And then Jesus says, Peter, you are going to deny me. You're going to deny even knowing me three times tonight before the sun even comes up, before the rooster even grows. And just like Jesus said, Peter denied, even knowing Jesus denied. And why? Because there was a little girl who recognized him and said, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter, this big fisherman of a man, this big, bold, arrogantly, I'm going to never deny you, when confronted by a little girl, was like, yeah, I don't know never seen it before in my life. Three times he denies him. Three times he betrays his best friend and Savior. But then we get this scene in this gospel. And this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And all of that is in the past. And Jesus has now come to his disciples and he's prepared a meal for them on the beach. Now his disciples are fishing. Don't miss this because this is really important. The disciples had gone back to what they were doing before they met Jesus. They had reverted back to their old way of life. They had gone back to their old patterns of living. Maybe they felt like complete failures as disciples. And so they're like, you know what? I'm just a Christian. I've got nothing better I can do. But here's Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? He's feeding them. He's caring for them. He's restoring them. Look at what Jesus does. For every one of Peter's denials, Jesus restores him. Peter said that he didn't even know Jesus. Three times he said it. But now, Jesus invites him to say something else. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, feeling totally unworthy, totally like a failure, says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then a third time, when Peter started to understand what Jesus was doing, starting to see that Jesus was restoring him, Jesus asked Simon, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I betrayed you. You know that I feel unworthy. You know that I don't even deserve what you're doing right now for me. But yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Peter, in this moment, is fully restored. The sins of his past, the sins of his arrogance, the sins of his denials, all of his moral failures, all of them are met by the love and the mercy of Jesus. And he is fully restored. And then Jesus commissions him to be sent as an apostle. Commissions him to be a sent one, an apostle in this world. And the lesson for us is that if you think that your past disqualifies you from telling others about the joy of knowing Jesus, then you're just wrong. 
That cannot be true. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing in your past that you could have done that could make you unfit to be sent by God as an apostle in this world. There is nothing you could have done. Because think about it. What's worse than denying God? What's worse than denying Jesus when he needs you the most? What's worse than betraying God himself? I mean, maybe you've done some really bad things, things that you wish you hadn't done, things that cause you so much shame, but, the, but, the, but this story right here shows us that even those things are not beyond redeeming. And if you know who Jesus is, then you know that what he wants more than anything for you is your restoration, your redemption, and the healing of everything, everything in your life. And then he wants to send you. He wants to redeem you to send you. He wants to send you and make you an apostle, a restore, redeem, and heal apostle. Sent to this world to proclaim the good news of Jesus. That's what he wants for you. So, people gathered here for this first service of apostles by the sea. That is precisely who God wants each of you to be. Apostles gathered together to worship him, fed by him, and restored by him and then sent by him as apostles into this world. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they know unless people are sent to tell them? That is who you are. You are those people being sent. You are apostles. And that's why we're here. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty.